This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're here today. Today, you're listening to episode 363, and my guest is Akeem Haynes. Akeem is an Olympian. He qualified for the 2012 Olympics in London, as well as the 2016 Olympics in Rio, where he became an Olympic medalist in the 4x100. He also competed in the 100 in 2016 as well. He is from Jamaica and moved to Canada at the age of seven, so he competed for Team Canada. He is also a motivational speaker. He's an author. He has two podcasts of his own, and he brought it today. He has so many great things to say. He will lift you up, make you want to be your best self. I am telling you, I felt so encouraged at the end of this conversation, and I would pay big money to sit in an audience with him on the stage. So I am really excited to see where his career takes him in the coming years. He truly has a gift for speaking, and you will hear that in this conversation. All right, friends, this episode is sponsored by Koros. Koros is my favorite GPS watch. I've been wearing it since 2018, and the battery life is insane. This watch will run forever. It is accurate. And I love that you can program your workouts into the watch. If you use a platform like VDOT or any kind of coaching platform, you can sync your watch right up to that platform so your workouts upload. It's super simple to use, which is my favorite part. I do not want a watch that is hard to use. And elite athletes like Sally McRae, Molly Seidel, Hayden Hawks, so many great athletes use the Koros watch. If you are in the market for a watch, check out Koros. I use the Apex. Uh, go to Koros.com. And if you use the code another, you can get yourself a free band at checkout. So what you'll want to do is have the band added to your cart and then enter the code another when you check out using that promo code another. Uh, check them out. Let me know what you think. All right, friends, if you do love this podcast, leave us a quick rating and review. Let us know what you think. Uh, that's a helpful way new listeners can find us. And you can learn more about this podcast network when you go to sandyboyproductions.com. I would love to connect with you on social media. I am lindsayhine626 over there and uh, on Instagram and Twitter at lindsayhine. We also have a great Facebook group that you should definitely join. We have lots of great conversations over there. It's just called All Have Another uh, in groups on Facebook. Okay, friends, enjoy my conversation with Akeem Haynes. Today on the podcast, we have Akeem Haynes on the show. Welcome to the show, Akeem. Thank you for having me, Lindsay. I'm looking forward to wherever that we're going to go today. Yes, I am pumped. So you're in Calgary. You're in Canada. Tell us a little bit about what's going on in Canada right now. Well, right now, it is surprisingly pretty warm. And I know that's a little, that's, to me, I'm still wondering what is going to happen here. Because usually in February, it's, you know, it's minus 25, minus 30. Uh, so right now, we're just enjoying the weather. Uh, not too much happening right now in, 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 in Alberta. You know, everything's kind of just low-key for the most part. Um, when you say warm, what does that, what does that mean? It's a great question, you know. Um, <laughs> so... 
Okay. Because we're uh, 50 here in North Carolina, and I feel like it feels kind of chilly. So let me put it in American terms. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> it's it's about that. It's about 50, 53, 54. Oh, wow. Uh, ex- exactly. Because in February, right? I mean, people always think Canada is this frozen tundra. And don't get me wrong, we do have our climate um, restrictions when it comes to certain things. But in Calgary, Alberta, we have this thing called the Chinook winds. And you and I were kind of talking about it. Um, not too long ago, it can be minus 30 one day and the next day be, you know, plus plus two, you know, so it, it just depends. And, and and I don't know what's happening right now, but I'm not going to complain that the fact that the sun's coming out. <laughs> um, give us some Calgary love, like tell us a little bit about why we should come visit there. Um, well, if you are big into, say, like food, Okay. Which I think, which I think a lot of people are. Uh, we have a lot of great restaurants here, um, from Italian, uh, Mexican, all bunch of different things, Jamaican, Caribbean, um, and it's very authentically well done as well too. Um, we have a uh, uh, obviously Calgary's Canada in general is pretty diverse, uh, but so is Calgary as well too. Um, what else do we got here? If you're big into like country and stuff like that, we have uh, the Calgary Stampede, which usually comes in the summertime. Now with the pandemic, it didn't really happen as mm-hmm. much the past couple years, but it did go on last year. And that's usually a big uh, touristic thing for most people. The Calgary Stampede, you know, uh, uh, they bring in like, I want to say when I was in high school, like Snoop Dogg came out here. Um a bunch of super country stars are out here as well, too. So I guess it just depends what exactly that you are into. Okay. Uh, what kind of music do you listen to? Did you watch the Super Bowl halftime show? I did watch Super Bowl halftime show, and I appreciated it because it made me, I was like, you know what? This is what I was listening to when I was growing up. Uh-huh. You know, because it was, a, it was a big thing. You know, people are saying, how can it be the best halftime show when Michael Jackson went when Prince came and I'm like cool that's that's your opinion we didn't grow up around those times uh-huh. so this is the time that we grew up in so I thought it was uh, I thought it was great as far as what type of music do I listen to you know I was born in Jamaica so a lot of dance a lot of reggae uh hip hop rap R&B but to be honest my musical uh, Rolodex nowadays isn't too inclined I've just been really listening to uh, more podcasts than anything Ooh, what podcast do you listen to? Um, so it it, it it depends on the type of mood I'm in. So let me give it to you this way, Lindsay. If I'm if I'm say going on like, you know, a Sunday walk as I do, it's usually something uh informational. So I'm I'm listening to one called Earn Your Leisure, um, which is about, you know, finances and learning about uh, uh just being a little bit more financial literate literate. Then, you know, if I'm in the gym, um, I like a good combination between a little motivation, but also like a little comedy as well, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm listening to right now uh, The Pivot, uh, which is a which is which is which is one that I like to listen to. Um, or if I'm like trying to get some work done, I need to I need something that's 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 a little mellow. Um, it's 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 obviously entertaining, but it's giving me the information that I need. Um, and it will be usually maybe first take, um, for one little sports, um, I'm listening to one called, uh, it's, it's about ancient Rome. I'm big in ancient Rome and Greek and Greek mythology. Um, so I usually turn that one on at night if I'm having trouble sleeping. Uh. Um, so I guess it, it's a whole bunch of different things that, that just depends on my mood for the day. I love it. You have a podcast, right? Yes. Tell yes. us about your podcast. 
unscripted uh, with Akeem Haynes. You know, one of the I I didn't want to start the podcast, honestly. Uh, but the person who edits it for me, her name is Victoria. She was like, Akeem, I'll edit it for you because I know how tedious editing can be. Yes. So, if, so if Emma's editing this, Emma, more power to you. Go, you Emma. More resilient in that side than I am because it takes so much, so much work. Um, but my podcast, I wanted to have real, authentic conversations from professionals from all walks of life because I wanted to get to, I've always been fascinated Lindsay with how a person got to where they are mm. yes it's cool when you're on the top great you got the medal you 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 got this you got the house whatever you got cool that's that's great but I want to know how that you got there because I want to know the correlation between you know what were you feeling like when things was tough did you want to quit All right okay when you got your foot in the door what book were you reading were you reading a book what kind of workouts were you doing like I know it doesn't seem like these things matter but to me I want to show how a person got to where they are because i understood that people will tell you what to do they'll tell you why you should do it but they'll save the how did they do it and i want to get to the how but i also want to talk about um, the mental health side of it as well oh it's so good i love that so um like you also talk with athletes right like yes you said all professionals so people in the business space too but like what are some kinds of athletes you've talked to that you've talked to outside of the running world? Outside of the running world, um, let's see. I had uh, Stedman Bailey on the show. Well, it actually hasn't hasn't aired yet. Um, used to play in the NFL. Uh, crazy story. He got he got shot in the head. Whoa! Uh, and survived. Um, who else did I have on? I had uh, Mr. Infinity, Derek Williams who is a professional basketball, was a professional basketball player, but played overseas. Um, but, you know, I, I, I've i had a lot of different events and different things. I was a sprinter when I was running, but I've had people who didn't do sprints, mm-hmm. you know, but we can relate to the pain of, you know, the 300s and all that stuff. So I'm, 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 I like to keep a diverse uh, group of people in there. I'm so fascinated with that too because I interview runners almost almost all of my interviews have been runners on this podcast at least and um I am fascinated with like all the sports like I want to hear from soccer players and one of one of a really fun episode I did one time was with a an Olympic rock climber and I'm like that it, it's just so cool like you were saying to get into the headspace and try to understand how they got to where they were so that's why I asked that question I just think that interviewing athletes from different sports is really cool. Yeah, because there's a lot that goes into it, right? Every every profession is different, but you know, when you're a professional athlete, you're so laser focused into what you have to do for that day, right? You have to peak at a certain time. You know, it's not it's not like you're delivering mail where your route doesn't change, right? Like you're you're, you're usually you're delivering the certain routes at a certain time. I know for me, I know my mailman comes about 4.30, so 4.32, I, I'm out there, right? And I like that because that's great for the community. But athlete's schedule is just so different, and there's a lot of ups and downs and roller coasters that comes with it. And when you think about it, it's actually not the healthiest thing when you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> the ebbs and flow of, of, of what each individual has to go through. Okay, so we got to get into your career. You mentioned the medals. You are an Olympic medalist. You're a two-time Olympian. Um, 
I, let's go back, though, to like your childhood, because you came to Canada from Jamaica when you were seven. Yes. So yes. tell us about that story. What brought your family to Canada? Better life. Um, where, you know, I grew up pretty tough. Uh, Jamaica was a tough place at the time for me, a lot of violence, a lot of different things. And, um, you know, my mom and dad had a conversation where they said Akeem can be a million and one things in a different country, but if he stays here, he might be a little limited. So, um, you know, I didn't necessarily know where we're going. I just knew that we were leaving. So, you know, um, my mom and I moved to Yellowknife of all places. I don't know if you know much about Yellowknife, but that is a, that is a complete drastic change. So, you know, Calgary's here. Yellowknife is further up north, kind of closer to like the North Pole in a sense. Um, but the story behind there, my uncle was in the army and he was stationed out there. So that was our way into the in, into Canada. I mean, in the 90s, you just needed somebody to be anywhere. You can kind of go anywhere. Okay. <laughs> so that was one of the good things there. Um, so when I got there, um, I started playing soccer. Um, I had some cousins there and I was actually a better soccer player than I was a football player and a track and field athlete. Um, but from there, we moved to Calgary, Alberta when I was about uh, 11, 12 years old. And um, I actually started playing football. And when I started playing football, uh, I figured, man, you know, this is a different sport, but it came to me pretty, pretty easily. Um, I was always a person who never, I was never afraid to work. I didn't complain. I knew it was going to hurt. I knew you're we going to have to make some sacrifices, but I was, that never bothered me. So when I started playing football um, in high school, um, I had a track teacher, a uh, good mentor to this day, Ken Rose said, Akeem, if you run track and field, you'll be faster for football. And I was like, man, I don't really want to, I don't really want to run track and field because Lindsay, I couldn't understand why people <laughs> wanted to do track when it was literally every other sport's punishment. <laughs> You're running. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm just like, I run enough in football. Like, why would I want to do that? Um, but I took, I started taking it seriously when I realized, uh, that it could open different doors for me and that you are more valuable with two than you are with one. So that was kind of my introduction to track and field. Um, however, my introduction to the international scene didn't really happen until a little bit later, just with some setbacks, you know, um, I, I, I made my first world youth team, but I wasn't able to go. Um, I made the world junior team, but I wasn't able to go because I pulled my hamstring. So the first major things that I was able to do, I couldn't do it because um, of of certain situations. But my life events has always prepared me for the ups and downs of sport. Um, you mentioned you weren't ever afraid to work hard. Do you think that's mostly your nature? Is there something your mom or dad or someone said to you in your life that gave you that mindset? When I was 13, um, I was going to school um, and I was, you know, opened up the door, go to school a regular day. You know, when I was coming home about 345, normal stuff, coming home, opened up the door. I noticed there was three garbage bags on like at the front of the door. I'm thinking to myself, I know we didn't eat this much food mm. in the span of, you know, a couple hours. But as I got closer to the bags, I realized, wait a minute, those those are my hats. Looked at the next garbage bag. Those are my shoes. The next garbage bags. I realized those are my clothes. I see my mom coming down the steps. I say, Mom, what's going on? And she says, Akeem, go upstairs and get your stuff. I say, Mom, what are you talking about? Go upstairs and get our stuff. Yo, it's minus 22 outside. What are you talking about? Go upstairs and get your stuff. She says, Akeem, I don't need you to back talk, man. I need you to go upstairs, get the rest of your stuff. We got to go. 
So at 13 years old, Lindsay, I had a garbage bag in one hand, garbage bag in the other, my backpack on, my hoodie on, a jacket on. And we were walking because we were homeless. So we're walking and we get to this bus stop and we get into the bus stop and we put our stuff down. I looked at my mom and I said, Mom, what are we doing? Like, where are we going? And she didn't have an answer for me. We're trying to figure this thing out. She didn't have an answer. And it was in that moment that I realized a couple things, Lindsay. I learned the power of gratitude. Um, I was so grateful that even though we were in this situation now that I had my mom with me because I don't know where I would have been if it was just by myself. When I came to Canada, right, it was the first time I ever been exposed to superhero movies like Batman, Robert, Green Lantern, Aquaman. And I remember I was watching the Superman movie and this girl got pushed off the building. I'm thinking to myself, oh, man, it's a wrap for her. You, you just don't survive these type of falls. But right in the nick of time, Superman came and saved her. So I'm thinking to myself, is this how Canada is? What a magnificent place. <laughs> and we're in the bus stop and... An hour went by and two hours went by and people are passing by and the sky started to get darker and two hours turned to four and five and then the sun and everything started to go down and started to get dark. And I realized, wow, ain't no Superman coming, Akeem. If anything is going to happen in your life, you are going to have to be the one to initiate it. And so I learned that at that age. I knew that if anything was going to happen, I was going to have to work for it. I stopped complaining at that age, too, because when you really think about it, Lindsay, and for everybody listening, when you complain, do you ever feel better? And so I didn't like that feeling because I realized I was telling myself this story and I was getting angrier inside. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to stop complaining. Not that it was anything admirable to do or 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 Akeem is this is this resilient mental guy. I just didn't like the way it made me feel. I didn't like the mood that it was putting me in, so I stopped. So I said, whenever I am playing sport, whatever it is that I am doing, I'm not going to complain about it, no matter how tough the situation is. I will try to come in with a good attitude, but complaining isn't going to necessarily make things better from a mental standpoint, but the work can help. I'm a big believer in planting seeds. Okay, so what what happened next? Like, did you guys go to a shelter? So what happened next? Um, we had met this uh, this family. Didn't really know them too well, uh, but you know, in desperation, you got to ask, right? Like, so my course. mom, actually, yeah, my mom actually asked them uh, if we could stay with them, and they were gracious enough to allow us to do so because I was in I was in class with I was in class with um, the son of the mother that my mom asked. And they already had a full house as well, too. But they were gracious enough to take us in. So uh, we actually spent about two and a half years in their basement. Wow. Um, yeah, until until my mom got back on her feet. Wow. That's incredible. And I'm sure it was like, I, I, I mean, your mom had to swallow her pride to ask for that. I mean, that was probably really difficult for her to do. Oh, absolutely. You know, you think about it. You come for a better, a better life in a different country and you actually take a couple steps backwards. Um, but it made me see, you don't know how strong you can be until circumstances make you double down and see if you truly believe that. And so it made me see the strength of my mom and what she can go through. And even though there was nights where I would come in and we were, you know, we were sharing a mattress on the floor and she would come in uh, from work and she probably thought that I was asleep, but I could hear the bed vibrating because of the tears that she was, that she was shedding. And she probably thought that I was asleep, but I was right there because 
listening, but I didn't know what to do about it. I didn't know how to make the situation better. I was a kid, but I said to myself, every single time that I have an opportunity, I'm not going to waste it. Every time I leave the house, I'm going to try and become a better man every aspect of the world. So I wasn't even thinking about it from a sports standpoint. I was thinking of a worldly standpoint. So for me, my perspective shifted at a very young age. All right, this episode of the podcast is sponsored by Prevenex. Prevenex is the best place to get vitamins and supplements. Their protein powder is delicious. It is vegan. It has 1 billion, billion probiotics, digestive enzymes, BCAAs. It's gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, no preservatives, and no artificial flavors. I shake this up with water after my workouts. It's an easy quick refuel. It also tastes really good. And then we also use it for smoothies in our families. Uh, the other thing I just really want to tell you about that I'm really excited about, they have a new product that they have been working on for years and it is their immune health plus. I've actually seen the clinical data for this product. I watched a webinar about it and I, I can't even do it justice. This is an amazing everyday immune health product that supports your immune system's ability to adapt and react to your unique needs. It supports robust, healthy immune responses and primes immune cells to spring into action and respond rapidly to various threats at the precise moment they're needed. I believe in this product. I believe in the company. And if you're looking to take something that will help with your immunity, check it out. If you have already used my promo code for the joint health or the protein powder. My code is another. So if you haven't used that yet, use it and that'll get you 15% off your first order. If you have used that code though, and you want to try the immunity health, um, you can use the code immunity one five that's immunity 15. And that will save you 15% on immune health plus for a limited time. Check out their products. And if you're not feeling better, if you're not feeling the results of their products, you can get your money back. They have a hundred percent money back guarantee. They believe so much in their products and stand behind them that they will offer you your money back if you are not seeing results. Um, all right, friends. Again, that's Prevenex.com. Use the code ANOTHER for 15% off your first order or use the code IMMUNITY1515 to get 15% off your first Immune Health Plus order if you've already used the ANOTHER code. Okay, back to my conversation with Akeem. So you went and ran for the University of Alabama. Yes. Before, um, I actually ran at a Barter Community College. So I did a junior college for a year and a half. Then I transferred to Alabama. And Barter, where's that at? Barton Community College is in Great Bend, Kansas. Doesn't that sound like an exciting place? <laughs> and I said Barter. It's Barton, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Barton Community College is... Um, is there are a couple uh, junior colleges who are known to have great athletes. Um, historically, Barton Community College is one, South Plains uh, College is one, and a couple others. Now there's more. But back then, it was either Barton or it was South Plains winning championships. And you had you had two of these schools running faster than some of these Division One schools, throwing farther than some of these Division One schools, right? But the life of a junior college athlete is tough. You mm. cannot go in there with with a weak mindset. You have to go in there and remember the mission that you're trying to accomplish because it'll take you out. 
<laughs> It'll take you out. What is the Netflix show about the basketball team? Do you know what I'm thinking of? Uh, yes. Almost, uh, almost made it, or something like that. Oh, uh, uh, you know, I was just talking about this. Oh, the that's day. gonna drive me nuts. People um, were into it. Did you watch last it? Chance you. Last chance, you. Yeah. Yes, yes, I did. I did. See, they played. They they played basketball and they ran track. It it's more relatable for the Kansas version of schools because those schools were in Kansas. Okay. But yeah, it's, essentially, yeah, it's like that. <laughs> essentially, it's like that. So, like, did you go? So, you came to the United States knowing, like, I want to get my college paid for on this like athletic scholarship. Did you go to Barton? Barton hoping like then I'll, I'll get into a big 10 school or, you know, a bigger yeah. school, a division one. Yeah. So what happened was in the, I had already signed my letter of intent to uh, play football on track at Florida state. Okay. So when um, we were getting ready to do everything, um, I took the SAT, didn't get the score that I needed, but I still had time to get my grades up. Um, but one of the maths that I took in the ninth grade the NCAA didn't accept anymore. So that automatically ruled me ineligible to go division one. So even if I would have got the score that I needed and everything, I still would have had to go junior college. So um, I went to Barton Community College um, with the with the expectation of just exactly what you said. I'm gonna do my time here, I'm gonna get my grades up, I'm gonna put in the work, I'm gonna run fast, and then I will see what else is out there. Uh, because, you know, a lot of schools stopped recruiting me when they found that out. But there's a couple that stuck by me. And then when I got back to running faster than I did before, some of those same schools came back. You know, I just uh, I just didn't forget. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that's really cool because, I mean, I remember I didn't get into the college I wanted to right away. And I just remember, like, it being really hard to see all your friends go to, like, big universities and if you had to go to junior college or community college for a little bit first, I just felt like embarrassed by that or something, mm -hmm. which I shouldn't have. And gosh, for a lot of people, community college is the way to go. It's cheaper. You can live at home. Like there are so many good things about it. But um, yeah, I think that that's a really cool part of your story. Yeah. It, it, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's like, it, it, there's more than one way how to get to a destination. Mm -hmm. You just have to be open to what your destination looks like because everybody is a little bit different right your path is different and I realized that when I was 11 right so I knew whatever that was in the cards for me it was going to be unorthodox so I was open to what it was going to look like I was still going to get I was still going to get to the destination it was just going to look a little bit different but I was okay with that I'm glad I went to junior college because you know it pushed me to really figure out what work looks like, you know what I'm saying? Because uh, it, it, it's going to push you mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, in every aspect that you think, but that's what you want, right? And people look down on junior colleges, but go and look at some of these times that these guys are running. Chances are that a junior college, because something happened in the process, nobody goes to junior college necessarily just to go, yeah. right? Something usually happened, but if you look at the times and compare it to what some of these division one athletes are running, you'll see a lot of similarities. Um, okay. So were you also playing football there? So here's the story. <laughs> when, when I got to Bart, I didn't really look too much into where it was. 
um, I was kind of frustrated with a lot of things. I was like, man, you know, I, I, I worked so hard and, you know, I still wasn't able to go and so many other things that was going on at the time. So I didn't really look. I just took the word of it um, from a coach and from my uh, uh, mentor and my coach. And I said, OK, Barton, it is. So when I got down there, I did not know that they didn't have a football team. But I was just like, wait a minute. It's football time. I'm going to run track in the uh, run track in the spring, play football in the fall. So I called my coach. I'm like, coach, uh, where do they have uh, football tryouts? He was like, football tryouts. He's like, man, Barton hasn't had a football team since like 1970. I was like, what? So I had two decisions to make. Uh, either let that eat me up or go home or say, you know what, I'm going to put my focus into this right now. And that's and that's what I did. You know, uh, track and field is like my fourth or fifth favorite sport. Really? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the time, I was like, you know what? Again, going back to that no complaining attitude, I was like, you know what? Let's just let's just see what we, what we can do with this here. What um what position did you play in football? Um, I played running back, receiver. Okay. What other sports are your favorites? Uh, so my favorite sport is boxing. Okay. Uh, so boxing, soccer, basketball, football, and then track. <laughs> and he's an Olympian on the track. Yeah. <laughs> um, and if you if you guys are watching the video, which is on YouTube, by the way, all the podcasts go up there as well. I know most people are listening through the podcast app, but um, there's a picture. There's a boxing picture behind you. Tell us about that picture and why you have that up. Muhammad Ali, well, my fiance got it for me. She said my uh, my setup looked a little bit uh, plain. So, you know, she spiced it up for me. Uh, but, you know, Muhammad Ali, you know, when you think about impact, I have always been a person who wants to do impact um, because impact lasts a lot longer than, 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 than sports achievement. If Muhammad Ali did not stand and not go to the war when America wanted him to, we would not be looking at him as what he is today. What he did and did not do spoke a lot louder than what he did inside of the ring. He was talented. He wasn't, he was an Olympic medalist. You know what I'm saying? He was all these different things. But then that made, that brought death to him. And, you know, the poster back there says, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't lose when you fall, uh, when you fall down, you lose when you stay down. And I think boxing is a great analogy of life, you know, because I always wondered, you know, what, what makes a person get back up when they fall or when they get hit? I don't think being knocked out is the hardest thing. I'm like, that's probably easier because you don't have to think anymore. The mm -hmm. fight is done. You're going to get knocked out. You're going to be you know, maybe out of it for like a couple, couple seconds, maybe be on the internet for a little bit but then you'll be fine. But to me, the hardest part when you get knocked down is getting back up because you have to tell yourself and believe in yourself that if you get back up, the outcome is going to be different. That is the task. Because a lot of people get back up, but they don't believe the outcome is going to be different. They think this is just what they have to do. And so that that is kind of what that poster means to me whenever I look at it. It's like, man, what is going to change when you get knocked down? Are you going to still believe in everything that you say that you can accomplish and do? Or are you just getting back up just to get back up? And I think there's a reasoning behind why we should all be able to get up. That's really good. Yeah. And I think we all get in, can get in our heads a little bit too. Like Absolutely. I just have a small example. Like I've just been feeling kind of stale a little bit in my, in my, um, 
career. I don't know. I'm just like, am I old news? Like, I just feel kind of stale. <laughs> and I think it's really important to have visions of people like that, like Muhammad Ali or whoever it may be for each individual person, because like you need something to look up to. You need something to be like, that's badass. And I want to do something more than go through the motions. I've always said uh, hope needs to be seen and shown. When you can, when you can have a visionary of what hope looks like, um, you are probably the hope that someone needs to see, right? So I think it is a, it is a, it is a double-edged sword, uh, but in a good way, right? And I think if we can see what hopes look like, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be an athlete, it doesn't have to be anybody you see on TV, you know. It can be someone you see in your community, it can be whomever, right? But everybody has a story, and if you listen long enough then you can find something to take from it and have encouragement from it i think the older that we get you know we're always going to have doubts and always going to have these things that are just like man are, am i still cool right like am I still <laughs> but it's like of course of course you are it just looks differently because the world is always changing that's good um yeah and good i hope you know it's like good that it's changing we want the world we don't want it to stay the same um tell me about your fiance Chanel Price. Um, she is 800 meter runner. Uh, she is the 2004 indoor world champ. I believe she is the first uh, American to do that ever. Um, she is retired now. Um, she's the director of operations for UAB. Um, she is one of the most resilient person people that I've met, even though she doesn't really believe it. Um, you know, uh, she she just to put it this way, Lindsay, she she broke her foot and the next day she went back and she was on the bike training mm. and she was like, Akeem, you know, I asked her, I'm like, Yo, why did you do that? She was like, Akeem, you would do the same. I'm like, I guarantee you I would not. <laughs> I, was like, I, would be, I would be on the couch with ice cream, watching some Netflix, right? Because I'm just like, oh, I just to break your foot and then go back the next day. And give that same effort, right? So, so, so for me, being able to watch how she's transformed over the past couple of years, over the past three, four years, how she handles certain things, um, it inspires me um, because I know where she came from and know where she is today. And I think we as people need to do a better job of reflecting. I'm saying we as people because I'm in that mix too because I don't always do the best job. But if we can look back at where we began and see where we are today, even if the even if the the the, the progress isn't as big as you want it to, it's probably enough to help keep us going. And so uh, for me, whenever I'm having a tough time, I'm just like, man, I'm like, you know, what were you thinking here? And, you know, her her answers won't be as 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 deaf as mine to certain things, but she'll say, I wasn't thinking, I was just doing. Mm. I'm like, oh yes, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming you met in the track world, but tell us that story. Yeah, so um, I met her in Phoenix um, when I used to train with Altis. Uh, they actually moved to Atlanta now, so they're based in Atlanta. Uh, but she had just came from Connecticut looking for a different environment, uh, different different coach, um, wanted a different change. You know, Plus, I don't blame her for, for wanting to come to the sun, right, mm-hmm. after being in Connecticut. Uh, but how we met i had seen her on tv when i was in junior college competing but like you know i was watching sec conference because she went to uh, tennessee so when we met (laughs) 
she actually was in the hospital. Uh, she was about to train and she just like collapsed. Oh, scary. I, I had I had I had heard the story. I wasn't there. She had just collapsed and she woke up and the doctor was like, look, you have blood clots. So when she came back to to train, you know, I asked her, I was like, you know, I heard this and that. I'm like, man, what's what's you know, what's going on? How's everything going? At the time I had made this I had made this shirt and like the sweater. Um, and the shirt was called, uh, it was called spark. It was an idea that came to mind and it was just a quote. And I don't even, I don't even remember what the quote was. It was so long ago. Uh, but she asked to buy one and she bought one. And, and, and that was kind of, that was kind of how we began. Um, but how it started, uh, was I asked her, um, I said, if there's anything that I can do to help, you know, because I'm a person, um, um, my faith is one thing that has helped get me through it anything in my life. So she said, if there's any scripture or stuff that comes to mind, then can you please send it to me? So that's what I did. Mm. Wasn't looking for anything, nothing like that. And um, one day, you know, she calls me and she says, hey, I'm about to go to Panera. Do you want to come? I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? And uh, that was kind of the beginning story of our relationship. Um, You know, they always say, wait a little bit to see the true character of a person. But in our first six months, we've probably been through uh, more turmoil than some people have been in relationships in the past three years because it was the blood clots. Um, we a lot of hospital visits, a lot of, you know, doctors saying nothing is wrong with you, but we know something is not right. You know, um, I had she had lost her contract, uh, her her uh, nephew passed away. I had lost some people in my life. I retired from track. I played football. I got cut from the professional team. So all of these different things was happening to us in the first year and a half. And so we developed that strength and the communication and our relationship from a solid foundation. And so that's that's kind of the story of how we got to this point where we're about to get married in September. Okay. Yeah, that is like so much in a year and a half. That is so much. Yeah, we uh uh we got through it though. <laughs> yeah. So where's the wedding? Uh it's going to be in New Jersey. It's going to be in New Jersey. Okay, so are you what are you guys going to do? Like where are you living and and are you moving? What does that look like? Yeah, so we're 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 figuring that out as it goes right now. Um the 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 spousal visa is in works. So I'm actually going to go down there uh, once we tie the knot, and uh, we'll 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 see in the next couple months where we are going to be living. She's doing an internship right now, so when her internship finishes, uh, we'll see what opportunities come her way. There's some things that have popped up on our table, um, and we're just going to see how it goes. But uh, I'm hoping somewhere warm, Lindsay. Come to I'm- North Carolina. Come on, come on down. I actually like it there. I like it there. <laughs> yeah, I want to be friends with you guys. You seem really fun. Yeah, uh, we you know we 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 try and 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 be intentional with with how we go about things. Um, it's not it's not. I don't. I think too many times people place a perfect image on their appearance and what they talk about and what they look like. Everything should be authentic, right? And so for me, you know, whenever uh, we have a conversation, it is to the heart. I'm like, okay, how are we going to attack this situation here? How are we attacking this from an emotional standpoint, but from a logical standpoint? Okay, 
how are you feeling about this? Okay, we need to just be here. We can get, just get our emotions off, but then we're going to need to be thinking logically and how we can attack this problem, right? Because we kind of had to fast pace everything mm-hmm. because the thing when you have so much adversity and opposition and tough times stacked up on top of each other is it can be discouraging. And when something is discouraging, your mood is negative. When your mood is negative, you just want to sit and sulk over everything. But I'm like, we have to find a way to get out of this in a positive way, collectively agreeing or disagreeing. We still got to come to a conclusion on how we get out of this. So um, it, 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 it helped us a lot. It helped us a lot. So New Jersey, is that that's where she's from? Is that why the wedding's there? So, yeah, so 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 she has a much bigger side of the family than I do. Yeah. Um, her family's a little bit older, uh, so it makes sense. It's easier to travel. Uh, so it'll it'll be in the New Jersey area as well, too. Plus, you know, it, 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 it may snow in September in Calgary, <laughs> so I, I don't know. <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about, like, when you become an Olympian, how do you decide to um... – how do you decide to uh, run with Team Canada over Jamaica? Do you have two? Do you have dual citizenship? I'm assuming. Yeah. So, so I went with where I'm living. Okay. Um, you know, because if I've been in Canada, you know, since I was ten, it doesn't really make sense to go back and run, at, at least for me. Uh, so I was just like, you know what? I'm going to represent the country and where I where I grew up. I was born in Jamaica, but I grew up in Canada. You know, so it only made sense for me that way. There are so many different uh, ways how to go about it. I probably have to go back and and get certain Jamaican papers. And I was just like, I just didn't want to do the back and forth. <laughs> and then would you have to go compete in certain races in Jamaica to make their team and all that? Yes, I would have to go to their Jamaican trials yeah. and uh, compete down there. Um. Talk to us about your family there and like, do you ever go back and your ties that are still in Jamaica? So I've, I've, I've been trying to go, this is the thing with track and field, right? I've been trying to go back since 2012, 2013, but every time that the time I was able to go back, I would be competing all summer. Mm -hmm. And then when I'm competing all summer, I got to go back because school starts in August. You know, so it just never really happened the way that I wanted it to. I'm hoping to go back uh, sometime in the near future. Uh, but yeah, I have I have I have a great portion of my family still there. Uh, my dad is actually in Alabama right now. Oh. Um, but uh, you never forget where you come from. You never forget what that feeling was like. You never forget, you know, what 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 a great tasting mango tastes like or what the food tastes like. And so I still am immersed in the culture. I'm still immersed in everything there. I still speak the language and all that good stuff, you know. So uh, I'm, I'm I'm hoping to be able to go back, maybe even to live when, you know, when in my 50s or 60s, I would love to have a place there. Uh, but um, you never fully ever, ever, ever forget where you come from. And I'll never forget where uh, the origin story of me began. <laughs> Hey friends, one more break here to let you know I have training plans on my website. They are 18-week marathon training plans, 14-week half marathon training plans, and I have a new section for 5Ks. I just have the beginner plan up on the website for the 5K, and I'm building out intermediate and advanced as well. But you can go check those out at lindsayhine.com. They are comprehensive, full of detailed videos for pre and post run stretching and strength. And I really believe in these programs. 
That's lindsayhine.com to check those out. And if that's too simple for you, if you want a more customized plan, I'd be happy to write you one of those as well. You can email me at lindsay at sandyboyproductions.com. Okay, friends, back to my conversation with Akeem. Um, tell us about your Olympic experience. You have a bronze medal. You went to the Olympics in 2012 and 2016. So can you just share a little bit about those experiences? Yeah. So 2012, um, um, I was what 20 years old. I was one of the youngest people on the team. Uh, me and another guy named, uh, Aaron Brown, uh, who, who's, who's still running, who's still running. Um, Tremendous, talented, talented guy. Uh, 2012, we went there as I was an alternate. So my first experience going there was London Olympics. Uh, I thought it was a great games, right? You know, I think when you're there, when, when you are experiencing certain things for the first time, you're there to just, one, obviously compete, but I wasn't competing. So I wish I wish I would have known that a little bit earlier because mm. I would have attacked it differently. Uh, but the experience of it, you get to see the elites of the elites for the same mission, right? You know, I got to see the Kobe Bryants. I got to see the LeBron James, Serena Williams, Gabby Douglas. I got to see all of these people, Michael Phelps, right? They're all, we're all doing the same thing. We all got to go to the cafeteria and eat, right? But you get to see the mannerisms about them. You get to see, you know, um, what they do at the track. You know, I was seeing Bolt. I was seeing Asafa Powell. I was seeing Gallon. I was seeing all these different ones, but I was just watching. Sometimes if you don't know what you should do or what certain things look like, just watch. Mm. Right? And you will be able to see the mannerisms. Even if you don't know them, you can just watch and see. Right? For example, I went to I went to Monaco and we, we had a relay meet. And it was the first time that I've seen like all of these different guys in this in this environment here. And, you know, we're always told, you know, jog twice and then, you know, do your stretches and this and that. But I went there and I realized, wait, Usain Bolt isn't really jogging like that. He's just kind of getting into strides, mm. but he's not going fast. He's going very, very, very slow. He's gradually building up. And I'm seeing Tyson Gay doing the same thing and Gallup doing the same thing. I'm like, wait a minute, am I wasting my energy doing <laughs> doing these laps, you know, what happens if I did these strides? So I started to see, wait a minute, it's not about as much as you do, but it's how you do what you do. And so I started to see what they were doing and I started to see what it was like to be an elite and train as an elite. So that's what I saw in my first one. But the second one um, in, in Rio, I was four years older. I was much faster. Uh, my expectation was a little bit different. So now I expected to do well. I expected to be at this Olympic Games and expected to come out with something. It didn't go like that in the Open 100 for me, but in the relay, I had another opportunity. And so for me, it everybody is nervous before they compete. And if they say they're not, they're <laughs> like, it's a big poker game. But it's the one who usually is able to control their mind a lot better. I always say in the pressure situations, don't do anything different. Just do what you've been doing. Doing what you've been doing got you there. Doing what you've been doing is probably going to get you some good results. But it's when you get to a certain place and you let the environment and these thoughts change your mind and you hear certain things, that's when things start to unravel. So when I got there the second time, it was more of a mission, Lindsay, than I guess 
enjoyment because mm-hmm. I knew I had to finish the mission. Enjoyment can come later, but I was so locked in uh, much better than the first one. What? So how do you control your mind when you're nervous? Do you have a certain phrase or anything you think about to center yourself? Um, in pressure situations, especially when I was at the games, um, I would listen to music. Um, but I wasn't really listening to music to listen to music. I was listening to music to block out the noise. Yeah. So even though it was playing, it was just blocking out my mind as the saying, Keem, you know, like, what makes you think that you can do here? Like, why should you be here? Right? Because, and maybe you've had this experience too, is you ever get like, whenever you're close to something and something's about to be different, that's when the doubts creep in the most. Like when an opportunity comes and you're like, wow, this is what I wanted. And then you're just like, wait a minute, is it? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, wait a minute, I wasn't having these thoughts 30 minutes ago. Why is it coming now? And so I leaned into those thoughts with self-talk, right? So if so if my mind was saying, Akeem, man, hey, Usain's over there. He's right behind you. You're like, yeah, I'm here though, right? Any room that a person finds themselves in you belong there, right? Like you did the work, you put the effort in, you sacrificed certain things. And so I started to tell myself those stories as I was combating these, this fear and this self-doubt and these different things. Um, and so when I got to the line, you shut everything off and you just do what your body is going to do and what you've been preparing for. But in pressure moments, I just, I just self-talk everything. Um, so what does your career look like now? I know you're doing motivational speaking. I know you have your podcast. Like, what are your hopes and dreams post Olympian and post like athletic career? Yeah, so you know that's a that's a great question, and 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 there are some there are some days I'm like, okay, what are you doing? Especially when I transitioned out, I'm like, man, this is, this is what you're doing. Is this what you? Is this really it? Um, I believe God calls us to be people of purpose. And there was a purpose as to why we are here. We're not just merely here to exist um, by no means. There is a calling inside all of us. And so me speaking, that is me giving what God called me to do to the world, right? Because I believe every person goes through a trial and tribulations and they have these things, but it's our stories and how we can portray it in a way that is relatable that will give the encouragement. You know, nobody can relate to Superman because we can't fly, right? Like we can't dodge bullets. Like we can't, we can't do that, but we can relate to Clark Kent, right? The reporter, right? We can relate to, you know, him missing his deadlines and him trying to explain, I didn't get this to you because I was, you know, I had something come up. We may not be able to relate to to Superman or Superwoman, but we can relate to the actual real person. And so um, I, my whole thing, Lindsay, um, I wish I could say, you know, in in, in three years, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to sell out, you know, Madison Square Garden. I'm going to be speaking there. There is a spirit and and an essence about all of us. And when I, when people say Akeem, I want them to think of the spirit of perseverance, the spirit of resiliency, the spirit of hope. And there are days where I'm laser locked in and I know what certain things is going to look like. But there are other days I'm just like, man, I just know what today looks like. I know what tomorrow may look like. So in the next three, four years, I don't know where I'm going to be, but I know I'm going to be somewhere. <laughs> it's so That's so good. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think about purpose a lot, too. I'm reading the book Hero on a Mission. Have you read that book? 
I heard about it actually. It's new, yeah. Donald Miller, it's it kind of random. Like he used to write um kind of like autobiography type books like about his life. Um and now he's a business guy. I think you should read the book. I feel like yeah. this book is up your alley. Mm-hmm. Um and it's about living a life on purpose and that each of our lives has meaning, but we have to be intentional about it. And it's Absolutely. really important. And one of the things he does is he writes his own eulogy and mm. then like three times a week, he'll read it in the morning to like prepare himself for the day so that he makes sure that he's like following the path of what he wants the end outcome of his life to look like, whether, whether he has 10 years or 40 years left, he's 50. Um, but I'm like, man, that's really powerful. Now, for me to put the homework in to actually write that out, it kind of makes me nervous because I'm like, well, what do I want it to be? And, <laughs> you know what I mean? And But I mean, I think it's a really smart strategy to give your life some some purpose. Yeah, I, I heard a long time ago, Lindsay, I heard this person say this. He said, you can... You can you can fail at doing something you don't like to do. So why not take a chance of doing something that you do like to do? And for me, you know, when I first started out speaking, I had no idea what anything was going to look like. I didn't have I didn't have a hope that was shown. I didn't know what it was going to look like. Like when I would reach out to people, you ever reach out to someone for advice and you just leave totally confused and you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> I, I shouldn't even talk to you, yeah. <laughs> you know? And but then I started. The moment shifted for me as I spoke about my faith. You know, I was I was I was sitting down one time. It was like five in the morning. Um, I get up at that time pretty much every day. Um, but I was like, God, I was like, man, if this is what you call me to do, man, you gotta help me, cause I just don't. It, it seems like the more people that I was asking, it just seemed like they were they were they were they were showing me things that just wasn't possible. And I'm just like, man, I'm done asking people. And then I was like. You talked about uh, uh, you got to have some calculated stuff with it. I said, okay, well, what do you have in your possession? What can you use? So many times I think we look outwardly and we compare and we're just like, man, if we had the microphone, Mm -hmm. we'd start a podcast. You know, if we had this, we'd start that. But I said, you know what? I need to get my message out there. I need to practice. I need to be better. You know, for the first four years of my speaking career, and I had been speaking since I was 20, I just didn't tell people I didn't take any money because I didn't feel like I was good enough or worthy enough to command a certain fee. I'm not going to lie to myself and say, oh, yeah, give me give me three thousand dollars for that. No, I'm not going to lie to myself. I can't take the three thousand dollars and give you a hundred dollar message and a hundred dollar information that probably ain't going to help you that you can find on YouTube anyway. So I just use these platforms to practice, to practice, to practice, to practice, to practice. And it is in those practicing moments that actually, when I think about it now, prepared me for virtual engagements, Mm -hmm. right? Since the pandemic hit, a lot of things have been virtual. And I've been in all these different environments where the the sound wasn't the best, the the, uh, it was just me on the screen. I didn't know anybody. I couldn't see an audience. I knew people were there. I could see the number. But when you can see people, it gives you more feedback. Uh And you're just like, wait a minute. But it was the practicing that prepared me for this. So now I'm like, it doesn't matter if it doesn't matter if the screen is blank. I must talk the same way, you know. So it it when a person is trying to find out their purpose, you know, it's it's digging deep and to understand how do you want to make how do you want to impact the world in an authentic way to yourself. 
right? And I think that is where we should all start. Um, that's where I started. And uh, uh, even though I didn't know what speaking was like at the beginning, I figured out some steps. I figured out some ways. And when I started to make a certain amount of money, I started to say, you know what? All the people that told me that I couldn't make a living off this, yeah, I'm just probably not going to listen to your advice <laughs> on a lot of things. <laughs> I think that's so good. And I mean, that's just it. It's like, I don't know what the what the number is. Maybe you do. Like how many hours you need to practice before you've like mastered the art of public speaking or like, or mastered the art of like a certain talk. Like how many times do you need to put the work in for a certain talk for it to be ready to go? I'm actually always practicing, Lindsay. I wish, I wish my way of speaking is so unorthodox and I'm probably not the best, even though I do help uh, young speakers, you know, deliver their message in a way. But for me, when I first started speaking, writing things down and reading it as like cue cards just don't work for me because I will try and read exactly mm-hmm. what is on the card and not read the room. Sometimes you go into a position and you so locked it into your message and you're just like, wait a minute, that that may not be what that room needed, right? And so I am always, I've always been a very super intuitive guy, um, especially when I was running, I could understand why my body was doing this, why that when the massage therapist touches this, that this loosens up because I was always inquisitive and asking, I have a very inquisitive mind. And so uh God has really given me this feeling inside my gut to when I go in a room and I can say, you know what, what I had originally is not going to happen. I can't do it this way. Um, I'll give you a quick example. I went in to go speak um, uh, to this corporate group. It was a room about 150 people. And I was speaking and I was speaking and all of a sudden I felt someone to say, you can't talk about this. And, and, and I was talking about an incident that happened with me um, where I had a, a, a friend pass away. And I was my 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 word shifted to me saying you know there is someone who in this room who you've been you've been blaming and, and just beating yourself up for quite some time not understanding that there's probably nothing that you can do to change that situation because you can't control everything right we don't we don't know what's going to happen and i was like i didn't really know why that came upon me but after the conversation after the presentation i was taking some pictures and I always say, when you speak, the real conversation happens after. This lady came up to me uh, with her son, and she said, "Um, I lost my daughter in a car accident. And for years, I've been asking myself, man, what if I just would have told her, no, you can't go, or you should have stayed home, and this and that. And she was like, I felt like your message was for me. And I hugged her, and I said, you know, There are very few things in this world that we can control, um, but we can control how someone feels. And I'm sure that she felt loved. And it is those moments where you just have to know, um, speak from the heart, not always from the text. Oh, that's so, so true. Like to be able to read. And that's a gift to be able to do that, because if you are like, this is what we're talking about today. (laughs) And it's not shaken out. You're not getting response. You're not getting head nods. Like, it's hard to make that shift. So, I mean, it sounds like that was like supernatural thing, like a God thing that you were like led to go in that direction out of nowhere. Yeah. 
And you got to listen, right? Whether, you know, and, and you don't have to be religious or a spiritual person to understand, right? There are intuition that you may feel, you know, it's like when you say, you know, I'm not going to go to this place. And all of a sudden something on the news says there was a shooting or something was robbed. You're just like, mm, I knew that was something. Couldn't explain it. Right. But it's very important that we are aware with what's going on within ourselves. And I really believe the only way that I could have heard what God may be trying to tell me was if if I didn't spend time in my morning doing my personal development, doing my my Bible reading and my scriptural nourishment is what I call it. I wouldn't have heard that voice. And likewise, for any person. Right. If you don't spend time with yourself, figuring out what 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 you actually want to do, what brings you excitement, what makes you sad, what makes you upset, what you want, what you don't want, that is all important with your intuition. Only when you know the ins and outs of who you are can you really understand what you were called to do. And I think that's very important for us all to figure out. Spend time with ourselves, right? What annoys us? We should all know what annoys us. (laughs) (laughs) I think that my husband could tell everybody what annoys me because I I don't keep my mouth closed about it. I'm like, you're eating too loud. You're talking too loud on your meetings. Blah, blah, blah. Turn it down. (laughs) Okay. I'm super curious. What is your scripture reading strategy? Like I, I get up every morning and I read, like I just finished the book this morning, the book of joy. Have you read it? Mm, um, the book of joy by Dalai Lama. And uh, yes, yes, yes. And Archbishop Desmond Tutu. Yes, I got that one. Great book. I mean, I, I mean, I like knew you were going to either say you've read it or it's on your <laughs> list. Um, but I'm really good at getting up and reading something like that, that inspires me, encourages me to like live a better life, be a better human. But I'm not good about reading my Bible. And I'm in this like major deconstruction. I know that's like a super hot word right now of like what I truly believe because I grew up in like an evangelical church. And so now I'm like trying to figure out like, what do I really believe? What is the afterlife? All these things. Um, But I do want to read the Bible more, but I don't have like a strategy for like how to get in. I always just feel like I open it up and I'm like, (laughs) thank you for, for giving that honest opinion. I think, I don't think people start there. You know, um, I think if any if anybody's trying to get into the scripture, I would definitely say start in Proverbs because Proverbs teaches you about principles. Um, for me, the way how I go about it, because um, just like what you said, there'll be times right in the past where, you know, is it's early in the morning and, you know, um, I'm in the book of Leviticus, right? These long, drawn out chapters. And I wake up in the book of Leviticus because I fell asleep. <laughs> And, but I started to realize, man, you know, Akeem, what is, if there was a word to describe you in your, in this season that you're in, what word would that be? Well, you know, at that time, um, it was perseverance and, you know, I feel like I'm always persevering through something, but it was like perseverance. So I would kind of write that word down and I would say, okay, what are some of the characters in the scripture that have persevered? Okay. You look at David, you look at, uh, Job, you look at Joseph, Right. You look at all of these different characters and you pick one and you say, OK, for these next two weeks, I am going to read the story of Job. Right. And I'm going to try to understand how he got through his trying times. How can I use the guideline of the scripture to help me 
make it applicable in my life right now. And so that's kind of how I go about it. But I always close with my thoughts and my feelings. So I may say, you know, just the other day, I was like, oh, Lord, like, I understand what you're saying, right? But I'm like, man, I still need time with this one, right? I still don't really quite know what you're telling me, but I'm going to trust you. And so I mix mine with, okay, what is going on in my life right now? What are some characters that may be going through the same similar thing or have went through it? Um, How can I apply it? And this is how I feel right now. And I always close it out with uh, with a small prayer. So my 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 books go all over the place. I'll be lining on I'll be writing on the front, then I'll turn it upside down, and right here, then I'll turn it on the side, and right here. But I really try and be honest with what I am writing down, because God cannot give you direction or help you if you are not honest. You know, if you say, "Lord, I'm having a hard time with this, man," well, He can take it. Right. Then the, the the calculated steps was, OK, find start with the Bible app, a verse of the day mm. you may not be able to read four or five pages, but you could probably read a couple of sentences. Um, so I would start there. But I would say any person who is trying to get introduced to scripture in the Bible to start in the book of Proverbs, because it's very simple. It's to the point. Um, and then when you think about the relatable stories um, then I start there because the the it's a lot to it's a lot to compact all in one setting. It's not a book that you can read front to back in a day, <laughs> right? And I'm like, get just do 15 minutes, Lindsay. Geez, because I mean, I I finished that book today, the Book of Joy, and I think I read. I got up at 5:15, and I was I read for like 45 minutes. Like, yeah. I could dedicate some of that to something else, and I'm always reading like four books at once it's just wow that's impressive well it's not that impressive because I go really you know it's like I go really slow like I'll read one book for three days and then I'll move to another book for a couple days and I'll go back to that book it's just like because I want to have like a spiritual book I want to have a book on parenting I want to have a book where I can just like forget about everything so I just like want to have all the options available depending on what mood I'm in or what time of day it is that's yeah. Yeah. When you put it that way. Yeah. I completely understand that. I'm not moving fast. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, but tell me this. What book are you reading right now? Or what is the best most restra- book you have read? The last book I read uh, is called Bundini Believe the Hype. Um, his name is Drew. Drew Bundini. Um, you see, a lot of people know about Muhammad Ali, right? Muhammad Ali. But Drew Bundini is Muhammad Ali's cut man. Right. The original hype man. Um, And I wanted to understand Muhammad Ali from a different angle. Right. We see the media, we see the stories. But what about from the person who knew him better than probably anybody, the person who was with him? Bandini was he was in he only missed about 10 of Muhammad Ali's fights and they've been together for over 100 and something fights. What was interesting in that book was they didn't agree on anything. They didn't agree on most things, but they'd agreed on a lot of things. But there were some things that they were like, no, that's stupid. Why would I do that for? That doesn't make any sense. Why would you go this and that? And they have their arguments and they have their, you know, their, their outing. They may not talk for a couple days. They may not talk for a couple weeks, but then they would come back and they would hug and they would say, let's go champ. Right. But you get to see how everybody in this camp 
from different walks of life, different things and how they handled their situation. And at the heart of it, the reason why Muhammad Ali and Drew Bandini have this great relationship is because they loved each other. Everybody needs a hype man. Now I want now I know I want to find someone. I need to be somebody <laughs> else's hype man. I think that's a really like that's a really important task that we should all task ourselves with. We need to be somebody's hype man. Oh, absolutely. And the 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 most famous speech that most people have heard is a uh, float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. Uh, Bundini wrote that. I kind of want to read that book. Do you think it's good if you're not into boxing? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it 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 literally teaches you. You know, uh, you know, he 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 had abandonment issues as well too. But how did he have abandonment issues? Well. His mom and his dad, they got into a situation and his mom, his dad was like, look, you can leave, but you're not going to take Bandini. Mm. So Bandini, Bandini's mom took her other brother, walked out the house and they never came back. That's how a person gets certain things. I always say, if you wonder why, how a person got to where they are, chances are it's not by coincidence. There's a backstory behind it. So it's a book that I think all readers would like. So what is one thing professionally or personally that you have not done yet that you'd like to do? Tell us the place. Who who do you want to speak in front of? Like if you could book any engagement right now, where would you what would you do? Um I would want to give a commencement speech to an organization or to a university. You know, I've given high school ones before, uh, but it's different stages. And so I would like to give a commencement speech to, you know, uh, one of these one of one of these division one schools. Like giving it to Alabama where I went to school, I think that would be pretty cool. I mean, you would slay that. Do you like pitch that, or do they have to come to you? How does that process work? Dream big. Um, I think for the most most part, uh, they they come to you. <laughs> you could put the seed out there, right? Yeah, yeah, and 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 you know. I believe I've done that in certain categories. So, you know, now we just wait <laughs> until they see the seeds. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, okay. What is, we talked about the best, most recent book you've read. Who is someone fun, motivating, or inspiring you would like to have coffee, tea, or cocktail with? I'm going to give two. I'm going to cheat here. Yes, uh, please do. One, Maya Angelou. Um, hers, I want to know, like, how on earth, like, very tough upbringing like you know she was like raped she was molested and all these different things and I want to know how did you get out of there with the spirit of love mm. right like I want to know how did you not go to this dark place like how did you how did you choose to love again how did you choose to do all these different things where all these things have happened to you so I want to know like man how such a beautiful soul so I would want to just sit and I'd probably have three questions and just let her talk um, the other one, uh, would be, I would actually like to sit down with Mike Tyson mm, Interesting. Uh, because I was reading his book and his book is a great book. Uh, there's a lot of things in it that, that, that was relatable for me, um, that I didn't know that we had in common, but there's also a part where he said, um, he was in jail and it was the most peaceful time of his life. I was like, what? <laughs> he was like, yeah, he was like, because nobody wanted anything from mm. me. Um, also, the story of 
being on top of the world and have everything taken away from you. Um, how how he grew up, I am surprised he's still functioning. And so I would like to sit down and just absorb. Um, that's just a list of like a hundred people that I have in mind. Um, my grandfather and my grandmother are both on that list as well too. Um, so we 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 uh we have a long list of people. <laughs> Lots of questions to ask. Yes, but more listening. I like to I like to just listen. <laughs> What is your last message to leave with our audience today? Oh, man. I think right now in a world where, um, you know, mental health is talked about so much, um, I just would like to say, man, like, you matter. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's so many times we we walk out of the house or walk out of the place where we stay and we're just, we don't think that our voice matters. We don't think that we're here for something. We don't think that our existence is, is, is anything special, but every person is special. Every person matters. Every person means something to someone. And we cannot get caught up in what society says. If you don't have this at a certain age, or if you haven't accomplished this, that we haven't done some great things in our life. Maybe the biggest impact isn't necessarily for a worldly thing. Maybe the biggest impact is changing a generational cycle for your life and for those coming behind you, right? But it does not start unless you believe that you matter and I think that's a message that we all need to hear at least a couple times a day you know um so many suicides that I think if they just heard that alone I think would at least stop them and give them the strength to continue fighting a little bit I don't know I'm not there with every person but I know that's something that we don't hear enough all right friends you matter (laughs) love it (laughs) thank you Akeem It was so great to have this conversation, Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thanks for being here, everybody. Really appreciate you joining the show today. Thank you, Akeem, for speaking all those words to us today that were meaningful, important, and they're going to help us be positive in this week. You can follow Akeem on Instagram. He is underdog, A-K-H. You can find me personally on Instagram. I am lindsayhine626 as well as Twitter at lindsayhine. And Facebook, we have a group that is amazing. It is called I'll Have Another Podcast. We'd love to have you join us over there. Um, All right, friends. I hope you're having a great day. Thanks for joining us. Have a wonderful Friday, a wonderful rest of your weekend. And as always, we will see you next Friday.